the fact that I might be triggered by something is something that I need to be aware of. And you being respectful of me are going to notice that something happened. And when I notice it, I'm going to say something. If something I have done has minimized or totally evaporated the respect somebody may have for me, there's this notion of apology. How do we have the conversations birthed from a not-so-great moment? Welcome back to Unapologetic Rabble Rousers. Today we are continuing the conversation on respect. We ended our last episode with words change worlds. So we want to continue on that a little bit today. And we're going to talk a little bit about triggers. And Carla and I have some differing opinions about who owns the trigger. So what I mean by that is when you're perhaps in conversation with somebody and you say something that triggers an emotional reaction to them, that person certainly owns their emotional reaction. And I believe that as the person who caused that emotional reaction, that I have some responsibility in recognizing the trigger and some ownership of not doing that again, not causing that trigger again, that because I respect and value people that I have some ownership in that. And that kind of connects to that notion of words change worlds. So we're going to dive into that a little bit today. And I don't want it to come across like I don't agree with your notion of owning, being responsible for the words I say. Right, 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 right. Because I believe that I am 100, I'm, all of us are 100% responsible for what we say and for what the other person hears. We can't do anything about what they do with what they hear. But it is on me to make sure that the message I intended to deliver is the one that gets received. Now, the fact that there may be some triggering language, first off, if, as we do, have a, a very respectful, respectable kind of relationship, and it matters to me. When it matters to me, I'm really very conscious of reactions to things the the 80 percent plus of the message that has nothing to do with the words but at the same time i struggle with that struggle i chew on the idea because as we were warming up for this whole segment we're doing in what ends up being the month of february that looking at mutual respect the fact that i might be triggered by something is something that I need to be aware of. And maybe it's in the moment and I didn't know a certain comment or facial expression or whatever was going to trigger something in me. And so maybe I don't have any history with it. You being respectful of me are going to notice that something happened. I might not even notice. And when I notice it, I'm going to say something. I might say, hey, Carla, it looks like that didn't land well. What's going on? What are you thinking? I'm going to lean right into it. But l let me give you an example. Okay. So I have someone, I'm just going to call him Bob. <laughs> Bob, you probably know who you are. <laughs> and I love you dearly. <laughs> Bob's been in my life a very long time. Bob says a word to me, whatever. And it is so triggering to me because it's a big F you. 
and we'll keep it clean. I'm going to try to keep it clean. At least PG. <laughs> and it's very dismissive to me. It's very disrespectful to me. You could say whatever to me. And I would think, Carla probably just doesn't want to talk about this anymore. It is not a trigger. It, the word in and of itself from other people is not the trigger. It is a trigger from Bob because from Bob, it's, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm being disrespectful. I don't give a crap about what you think. It's all these things. It sends me to the moon. And I know this. And through my self-reflection later, I can say, Bob does care about me. Bob does respect me. And in that moment, Bob is being a jerk. <laughs> and I have asked Bob to not say that word to me. And Bob says, I don't mean anything by it. I know you don't. But in that moment, when you do it, I find it to be incredibly disrespectful. Bob still says it. This has been going on for 20 years. So when you say, I need to own that, I agree with you. Yes, I do. And also in that moment when Bob says that to me, I do not have the wherewithal in my brain in that very deep-rooted neural pathway mm -hmm. to go, Oh, okay. Okay, Bob, we're good. Let's just keep going. Let's, we're good. I just, like I said, it just sends me to the moon and I need to just leave. I need to step away from Bob. Bob will just switch topics and keep right on talking about something else <laughs> that's important to Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very triggering for me. It's very dismissive to me. It's very disrespectful to me. And I have a hard time in that moment staying in conversation self-reflection we're fine but in that moment I just don't have the wherewithal to process through all of that to say no oh, Bob Bob cares Bob respects me this is just a moment <laughs> it's curious about the need we have in situations like that to kind of weigh the importance of the conversation the importance of the relationship the importance of the moment and what we do with it. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking about respect right now. And so the notion that I have to own how I respond to things. I have to own what I might deliver that seems to trigger another person. Mm -hmm. And that's out of respect. It could be even somebody I don't know. But because... I'm in conversation with them. They matter to me. If, if I wasn't in conversation with them, <laughs> it wouldn't matter. But so that owning how I respond, owning how I might inflict, or mm -hmm. that's not the right word, but how I might promote a triggering event. I, I get that there is responsibility on my part for both sides of that transaction. Yeah. And I recognize that in the moment, as you keep pointing out, the neural pathways that have been honed over decades, <laughs> decades with Bob, yeah. okay, <laughs> or just patterns that repeat themselves mm -hmm. in the family, in the church, in the office, it, you can see it. You can feel people reacting yeah. if you choose. I think about microaggressions. Oftentimes... The person on the receiving end is well aware of microaggressions. Sometimes people that are delivering a microaggression have no idea there's a microaggression. 
I'll give you an example of someone I used to work with. I would say the word gal, G-A-L. And I had no idea that this was triggering for this person that I worked with. And one day she just kind of lost it with me. And she said, will you please stop saying that word? And I said, yes, why? And she said, you know, back in the deep south, white men would say that to black women and it was very condescending and it is just such a trigger for me when I hear that word Mm. and I thought I did not know I'd never heard that before Mm -hmm. I had no idea I will not say that word anymore so uh, that was very incumbent upon me to recognize Mm -hmm. that that was a microaggression and that was an absolute trigger for this person and we had a great conversation about it. I apologized profusely because clearly there was no intent to harm. And we, we moved on. And, and I've educated a lot of people about that because nobody had an idea. And every mm-hmm. time I hear somebody use that word, but just FYI, let me, let me share a little my experience with you. But sometimes we don't know that we've caused that microaggression. And she didn't have the reaction the first 20 times I said it. It was the 21st time that really triggered her. So I would say it's also, if we're on the receiving end of these triggers, it's our responsibility to let somebody know because not everyone's going to be in tune to mm-hmm. the reactions that you're having. So if I never let Bob know that whatever was a trigger for me, mm-hmm. then maybe he doesn't have as big of a responsibility to recognize the fact that he's triggering me every time he says that word to me. But I did have that conversation. I did let him know that that word changes my world (laughs) (laughs) literally literally (laughs) so you brought up the notion of apologies so yes one of the things we we chewed on as we've been talking through this entire topic of respect and mutual respect is the notion that if i have offended or in some way I have created to trigger. If something I have done has minimized or totally evaporated the respect somebody may have for me, there's this notion of apology and how do we have the conversations that are birthed from a not so great moment. I've had a lot of conversations with people about apologizing. And it's interesting to me because some leaders think that apologizing shows weakness. Hmm. Which to me, I think apologizing is a huge strength because you're admitting and you're showing some vulnerability that you're not perfect and you are a human being. (laughs) Sometimes leaders forget that. I years ago was working with a, a woman who ran a fairly large division of a company and she had a all leader meeting. There was about 1200 people in the room and she had worked really hard to create a culture on her team of, you can challenge me. You can say the hard things. I want to, I want to know the difficult conversations. And she was on stage in front of 1200 people and some poor guy in the middle of the audience raised his hand and asked a really difficult question. I wish I could remember what his question was. She lost it and berated this guy for asking this question in front of 1,200 people, 1,200 leaders in her division, where she had made a commitment 
that you could ask these questions. And I was sitting in the back of the room thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, stop. (laughs) Can we rewind? So after this meeting, we had a conversation and she recognized in that moment that she absolutely did the wrong thing. And she said, how can I make this right? And I said, that's a conversation you're going to need to have with him. And I loved his response was, you can make it right with me. You also need to make it right with the 1200 people in that room and every single person in this company, because I promise you those 1200 people have told other people and everyone knows about this by now. And Wow. She took that really seriously. So she apologized to him in person, face to face. She then, this was quite a while ago, so they had voicemail systems. So she created a voicemail to the entire company and shared what had happened, shared how she reacted. And she was very honest about her reaction and apologized and recommitted to her stance on, I want to create this culture where we can have these real conversations where you can challenge me and where you can hold me accountable. And this is my commitment going forward. And it took a little bit of time for people to test that. And when they did, she handled it well. But the culture that that created from that apology was huge because people really respected the fact that she owned it and she owned it big. And it reminds me of a great analogy I heard about apologies. If you think about a wound that you have and you put a Band-Aid on it, the Band-Aid is bigger than the wound itself. So with an apology, it needs to be bigger than the wound that you caused. Oh. And I love that analogy. Wow. That is powerful. Yeah. And I think the notion, you brought it up earlier about leaders. Some see themselves as demonstrating weakness when they say oops I made a boo-boo I have to make amends for a decision I made a comment I made something I didn't do being able to stand in the strength of a conviction that what matters here is the relationship what matters here is the ability to trust one another and recognize in all of that that we are just people. Right. And I think sometimes I can kind of understand why people think sometimes apologizing feels like it's a weakness. Cause I think people over apologize for things. If I accidentally said something that was a mistake, I don't need to say, Oh my gosh, Carla, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What I can do. And we teach us in crucial conversations, vital learning. Thank you very much is I can use a contrasting statement. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to indicate that you were going to be late. I meant the supplier has a problem of being late. It has nothing to do with you. I don't need to apologize for that. I just need to use a contrasting statement. I didn't mean this. What I meant was this. It's really simple. You now understand what I meant. I don't need to apologize. There's nothing really to apologize for. It was a simple misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. But when I've done something to intentionally or unintentionally that I've triggered you, mm-hmm. I've harmed you, something like that, that warrants an apology, then we need to get good at apologizing and not just this blatant, sorry. We need to get good at recognizing that there is an opportunity to clarify, to reverse, try to undo some yes. damage that might come from 
a misunderstanding or the trigger words, whatever. So there, it's all about that back and forth. That darn communication. Darn. <laughs> you know, do you know the number one problem is communication? And the number one fix is communication. Communication. Words change worlds. And the more people recognize that, the better we can get at choosing our words and having a better impact on the people around us. And choosing to actually address it. Yes. And caring enough mm-hmm. to recognize that I have an impact on people. Some people don't care. <laughs> Let's be honest. We live in a, in a world right now where people don't care or they want to be polarizing. When we care and we are, are looking for mutual respect, we get better results when we have mutual respect and we can have those tough conversations and we recognize that words change worlds and we can choose our words and we can choose them carefully. Wow. What a great way to wrap up this episode. We end that episode with that same moniker of (laughs) words change worlds. Don't forget. I'm Doc Shelley. I'm Carla. We'll see you next time. Don't forget. Words change worlds. Choose them carefully.